It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part one of the mailbag. So for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So... Let's jump right into the mailbag. Question comes in from T. Diddy. He says, very interested to see the right guard and kicker competition. I'm not so sure that's a question. Seems like more of a statement, but point taken. (laughs) Next question comes in from Gringo, and this continues on that Seattle Jets theme. He says, I have a bold prediction that the Jets will finish better than Seattle this year. Do you agree? Imagine the media outrage if the Seahawks' first-round pick is higher than the Jets' first-round pick. Do I think it will happen? No. Would I be super shocked? Uh, I don't know, because Chris, you made a good point before. The Jets are playing a last place schedule. The Seahawks are in the toughest division in football, and I could see the Seahawks being significantly worse than people expect, and the Jets being better because they've got a new coaching staff, they've got new players. If Zach Wilson has a really good rookie year, maybe they win a few games that we're not expecting. So it's possible. Would I bet on it, though? No. Yeah, everything you just said, go ahead and recycle it. I will add, though, the problem is, uh, yes, the Seattle plays in the, the toughest division in football. The problem is the Jets probably play in the second toughest division in football, and the Jets are the worst team in that division right now. Um, like, I'm not going to be even the slightest bit surprised if the Jets went 0-6 or 1-5 in the division. They have a much easier schedule outside of the division but i think and this is why like fans are getting i think they're getting a little too carried away with this this team and what they're expecting of them this year and a large part of that is because they're going to have a really tough division to play um i i I know fans want to just think that the patriots are done but uh uh, they got a lot of questions about their offense i expect their defense to be excellent this year uh, the Bills and the Dolphins, I, I don't think you can realistically expect the Jets to be better than those teams. And as tough as the NFC West is, I still expect the the Seahawks will probably find a way to split and like come out three and three or two and four. Um, I wouldn't be shocked because, again, I don't think that Seattle is going to have a good year. <laughs> but I would I would bet against it. That's for sure. If you're if you're asking me to to bet on one. I'm betting on Seattle finish with a better record, um, but it's it's gonna. I don't expect it to be like uh, like a huge gap. I probably one or two games it would sound right. Our three games sound right, but uh, yeah, I I won't wouldn't be shocked, but I would bet against Seattle finishing with a better record. 
Next question comes in from Joe Regertz. He says, of all the moves made this offseason, which three do you think will be the most impactful outside of the obvious drafting Zach Wilson and firing Adam Gase? So I'm going to try and go for under-the-radar moves, moves that haven't been talked about as much as big-time moves. And the first one I'm going to say is Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins is somebody who was recovering from an injury the last couple of years. He started to build back up. But I think if you put him on that defensive line with what the Jets already have, including and especially Quinn and Williams, you could see some nastiness up front there with the Jets. They could become one of the most dominant defensive lines in the entire league thanks to help from Sheldon Rankins. Another under-the-radar move, I like the LaMarcus Joyner signing. Now that he's going to be going back to the position that he was so good at when he was with the Rams as opposed to what the Raiders tried to do with him, I think he can help a lot, especially considering that we saw some flashes from Ashton Davis last year, but who knows exactly what to expect from him. You get a bit of an insurance policy with LaMarcus Joyner coming in here. And the other one, and I'm not going to say that this is so much under the radar, but I really liked it a lot because I think he's somebody that's known to be a locker room leader and will be a big help for Zach Wilson year number one is Corey Davis. He's not a flashy name the way that some of these other big-time receivers like Kenny Galladay are, but I think he's somebody that can produce at a very high level here with the Jets. I don't really care so much about numbers. Just let him be a security blanket and somebody that Zach Wilson can be comfortable with, and that I think will do a lot for the confidence of the young quarterback. So those are the three that I would say in terms of under the radar or moves that could help make a difference that aren't getting talked about a ton. Corey Davis, Sheldon Rankins, LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, Sheldon Rankins is a great choice there. Uh, before the injuries, he was like, you know, Aaron Donald is obviously excluded. Uh, he, he's a whole nother level. But he was one of the best uh, inside pass rushers mm -hmm. that this league had. And if you can pin put him – on a line with Quinn and Williams that, and he, if he's anywhere near, like I don't even expect him to be a hundred percent of what he was, but if he's 85 to 90% of what he was, uh, that's going to be a huge, huge help to this defense. It's going to be a huge help to Quinn and Williams. It's going to be a huge hit help to all the linebackers, anybody, everybody behind him. So Sheldon Rankins is a, definitely a great choice for this. Absolutely. Um, Corey Davis is another great choice. Like you said, forget the numbers. Um, just being able to have a receiver of that size who can win jump balls, who can help and bail out Zach Wilson, and then to have the versatility of the Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, and all those guys around him. Uh, like That's why I loved the Elijah Moore pick so much when it happened is because they already had Corey Davis there. They already had Denzel Mims. Um, but Corey Davis offers them something that nobody else on this roster really offers in that way. So I think that's going to help everybody down the line. And, of course, it's going to help Zach Wilson. And, of course, Zach, as the uh, tweeter uh, said, Zach Wilson would be an obvious answer to this question, of course. But that's quarterback, and that's going to be boring. 
<laughs> uh, for the third person I'll go with, though, I'm going to go with a, an obvious answer here. I'll, I, I do like the Marcus Joyner uh, mentioned that you said. I agree with everything you said there. Also, I had forgotten that LaMarcus Joyner was signed on this team until like a week and a half ago. <laughs> I was I was looking at something. I was like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot they signed him. That's right. He's on this team now. Um, that's, this probably has mo- most to do with not being involved in the mini camps happening and stuff. But uh, Carl Lawson uh, is the, the guy I'm going to go with. It's, it's more of an obvious one. But to be able to have that type of rusher – which the Jets have sorely been missing for a long time in Robert Sala's offense to go along with Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins and there and these other guys. I just think that is going to open up so many things for Robert Sala and the defense and what they're going to try to do um, that it, it's an obvious choice, but I think it's that impactful of a signing that it has to be mentioned. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from the Jets UK podcast. He says, if we had to bet on one of these undrafted free agents hitting as a solid starter, not a star, for four to seven years, who would make the biggest difference? This is an easy one for me. Kenny Yaboa, because the Jets have no real established solution at tight end. Yaboa showed you a fair amount at Ole Miss and even a little bit at Temple. I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but I could see him being a solid contributor, perhaps working his way into a starting role at some point. He's young. He's got size. He's a willing blocker. Not the best blocker, but he's at least somebody who's willing to block. He can catch. He's got some athletic upside. So I would say Yaboa easily is the choice here. Yeah, that would be my number one choice, too. I also think you can see them use him in like a fullback, H-back type of role. Um, so that and he's the opportunities there for him, even if you still have a complete and total faith in Chris Herndon and you want you want to do that. I wouldn't recommend doing it, but let's just say you wanted to do that and you felt completely good with him. Okay, there's still a, a, the number two tight end spot that is absolutely up for grabs there. Kenny Yeboah definitely has the opportunity to do that. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, that if he's – just competent he's going to end up making this team and then i think eventually a couple years down the road you could see him being uh, a good solid player uh, how how good i'm not talking pro bowl and stuff i'm not, i don't have those type of expectations but a good solid player that they could use in a few different ways 
I mean, another, a boring answer here, but uh, Chris Chris Nagar, the kicker, would would be a, a good pick there. Um, it, it just hope that he's he's the guy, and you can kick, and you can have him for the next ten years. Um, and then the other one that from uh, people I've talked to, it's a defensive line. The kid from Rutgers, Michael Duumfor. Uh, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but that is somebody that I know everybody inside of the building is really excited about. And people around uh, the league that I had talked to think that this guy could be a player that could develop into something really good down the line. So those are the three guys I'd really keep an eye out for. Again, one of them is a kicker. So I understand if you want to go ahead and, uh, and, and not include that in here, but those are the guys that I would really think have the best chance to make the roster and then, you know, actually contribute in the future. Next question comes in from Ken Mastro. He says, what is going on with LaMichael P. Ryan? Is he going to end up being one and done? I don't know what's going to happen with LaMichael P. Ryan, honestly. Everybody was screaming for him to get more touches last year, and then when he did, he wasn't good. And I didn't like the pick in the first place because he's just such a jag. I hate to say that, but he's just a very ordinary player. He doesn't do anything particularly well. He's not terrible at anything, but he's just sort of a poor man's Bilal pal from what I can gather. They've got Adams. They've got Ty Johnson. They signed Tevin Coleman. They just drafted Michael Carter. I don't know if P. Ryan is going to get cut now, but I don't know how long of a future he's got with this team. If he really wants a shot here, he's going to have to stand out in training camp. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the, the best chance that P. Ryan has of making this roster is uh, injuries to somebody else. Um, if, if uh, you know, Tevin Cam- Campbell, they'd, they'd, ra- they'd rather have him. They'd rather, obviously, they'd have to draft Michael Carter uh, Ty Johnson will get not over him. And then Josh Adams brings something that uh, P. Ryan doesn't and the other three guys don't uh, either. So I think P. Ryan is right now comfortably at the fifth guy in that uh, list. Now, if one of them gets hurt in training camp, um, then absolutely. I can see P. Ryan making, the, making it. Uh, and then, you know, if the guy comes back, maybe they release him later. But I so I'm not ready to say that P. Ryan isn't going to make the opening day uh, roster because the likelihood of one of those guys getting hurt, even just for a week or two, is is pretty high. Um, so I'm, I'm going to leave the possibility that he makes the roster, but I would be I'd be shocked if he ends the season still on the team. Next question comes in from Griff Kong. He says, what's your favorite place to eat at MetLife Stadium? Have you ever gotten the burritos from the 50-yard line entrance by the stage? They are dynamite. I'll be honest with you. I don't eat at the stadium ever. I just don't eat food at concession stands at arenas because it's very overpriced. And usually there aren't options that I like anyway. So typically what I do is I'll eat something before and then I'll eat something after. And if you're at the game, there's all kinds of cool tailgate options too that are much better than anything you're going to get inside. So I hate to give you a bad answer to this, but I really don't have anything that I can say because I've never eaten at any of these concession stands at MetLife stadium yeah well unfortunately i'm not going to be able to give any type of better answer because i'm eating in the press box Mm -hmm. um and that's that's free food for me 
So that's a huge win. I do. I don't eat a lot when I go there because it make it's like uh, when I would eat uh, dinner or lunch at in college at the, in the dorms. It makes me poop a little too much. Um, but uh, I, I got you know I have I have to get to the game early. I have to sit there, so I need to throw something in me. But it, it's just whatever's free in the press box, and I don't venture out. I. I've literally never eating at, at any of the stuff in the new stadium. You know, I went, I've gone to old giant stadium as a fan numerous times to both games that I would definitely eat when I would go as a fan um, to the concessions, but I, I have not eaten at, at a single concession in this, in the new MetLife stadium. When I, when I go, I'm going there and I'm eating the free food in the press box. So unfortunately I don't have a better answer either. And yeah, it, I have occasionally stopped by tailgates on the way and eaten something before I go in there. That's always good. But I have to be at the stadium a bit longer, get there earlier, and then stay later. I, I need to throw something in there. But unfortunately, I, my answer is just the press box food. Next question comes in from Damian Shaw. He says, who were your favorite three Jets quarterbacks to watch? Mine were Pennington, Sanchez, and Testaverde. In case you're wondering, the first Jets quarterback I got to watch was Boomer Esiason. So you said most fun, not best. That being the criteria, and I'm not doing this in order, I'm just giving you the three names that stick out to me as having been the most fun to watch. Ken O'Brien, Chad Pennington, and Brett Favre. I know Favre was only here a year and it didn't end well, but there were a lot of really fun moments. And say what you want to about Brett Favre. He's a roller coaster ride. He's going to give you some chest pains, but he's fun. So those are the three guys I would say in terms of Jets quarterbacks that were the most fun for me to watch. Yeah, well, Favre, is, I wasn't even thinking Favre, but that, of course. He was Brett Favre. Um, he, Favre was one of my favorite players to watch when he was playing for the Packers. So, like, that's one of those things, just him coming over, that by itself was fun. Mm -hmm. And then before the shoulder, the, the arm just completely fell off and died uh that team in that season was a lot of fun um absolutely uh pennington is definitely up there uh, on the list and which is sounds weird because of how limited pennington is uh like he he shouldn't be anywhere near the top of this list because of how limited he was but it this is the Jets. The Jets uh, let's be honest their quarterback uh depth chart all time isn't very deep so he's going to be up there. Um, and then, see, I hated watching Vinny Testaverde because I just felt like there was going to be a, an interception thrown like every third pass. Um, and Sanchez is – Sanchez. well, Sanchez could be fun, especially in the playoffs. Those teams were so fun, though. Um, can, can I throw Brad Smith in here? Like, uh, that, 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 that's a lot of fun. I, I know he didn't play much straight up quarterback, but Brett, man, Brad Smith was a lot of fun on this team. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I guess I'd go Sanchez three if I can't include, uh, Brad Smith on that. The, the good news is I, I don't know how good Zach Wilson is going to be but I have zero doubt that he's going to be able to crack the top three of most fun Jets quarterbacks. 
That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. Make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com. Luke Grant's got an over-under betting guide if you want to get in on the action early and start betting on some of these teams over-under win totals for the 2021 season. And speaking of Luke, he's doing some great work on our YouTube channel right now. We've got film reviews of Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson's dominant performance over Western Kentucky, and a bunch of others coming, plus Kayla Pace's commentaries, Pace's playbook. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.